You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. Make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Hornets. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail and Doug at Doug Branson NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Visit LockedOnSports.com to check out all of our podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, and fantasy sports. So what else is new, Hornets fans? The lottery did not fall in the Hornets' favor last night. Mark Tatum, for the second year in a row, pulls out Charlotte's envelope for the 11th overall pick. I don't know why Mark Tatum hates the Hornets, but I'm pretty sure that's undeniable at this moment. So we'll get into that with another 11th overall pick and what that means for the Charlotte Hornets. Talk about the pressure that Mitch Kupchak is under during his first NBA draft with Charlotte. A lot of bad history under the Rich Cho regime. So Kupchak... Has to end that trend. We'll discuss that today and that pressure that is on his shoulders, again, being the new GM for the Charlotte Hornets. Other storylines that I mentioned to look for yesterday and yesterday's pod. We'll take a look at how those played out last night as well. Had a chance to talk with Rick Bennell earlier today on 730 The Game, ESPN Charlotte's morning show, The Wake Up Call. So we have plenty of sound bites from Rick. He talks about Kupchak's interesting comments regarding a potential rebuild or maybe his hesitance, I should say, towards a rebuild, maybe a retool. But it doesn't look like, at least from his comments, and I don't know how much merit it holds, but interesting comments from him, and at least in Rick Bennell's eyes, he discusses some of those comments. Rick gives his thoughts on James Borrego, who he likes at number 11 overall, the guys that are potentially or could potentially be there. Lots of good stuff from Rick Bennell, who again was in Chicago last night for the lottery, then we'll call it a day at the end of the show. Still no Doug today, but we only have one more show after this one without him before we get him back on Monday. So just one more show without Doug, and then again, we'll be back together doing the Lockdown Hornets podcast next week. If you like what we're doing here, make sure you are checking out what else is new on the Lockdown Podcast Network and what they have to offer, including the Lockdown Panthers, host Bill Rossetti. He's getting you ready for the preseason with the news and analysis from Charlotte to Spartanburg. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Panthers. We're proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering the biggest local stories in every single market. We'll take a quick timeout and come back with more on the lottery, what the 11th overall pick means for Charlotte, and what we can expect from Mitch Kupchak. Thanks for sticking around. I'm Walker Mail on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. <laughs> now, here's the funny part. I was listening to this to prep it for the show, and um, my wife walks in and was like, what are you yeah, listening right to? That's a little scary cool. if, if you don't have the context. If you oh, walk yeah. in and you start hearing that, yeah. that's Darth Vader. I didn't have pants on. That didn't help <laughs> yeah, either. No, um <laughs> It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Once again, the Hornets get the 11th overall pick. 
This is their second year in a row the Hornets have selected 11th overall. They got Malik Monk last year with the 11th overall pick. And like I said yesterday, I like the pool of potential guys that could be there for the Charlotte Hornets. If you look at how it compares to the guys that we were talking about last year, the pool of players are a little different. If you'll remember, some of the guys that we were talking about most, even before we thought a realistic opportunity would be there for Malik Monk, we were talking about guys like Zach Collins, the freshman out of Gonzaga. It was a big guy, and there really isn't many big guys there for Charlotte in this pool you would think around that spot this season. But Zach Collins was a guy that I think was heavily linked to the Charlotte Hornets. He was drafted 10th overall last year before the Hornets even had an opportunity to take Malik Monk. I know Donovan Mitchell was a guy that was linked to the Hornets if Malik Monk would have been gone. It seems like there was a debate between Donovan Mitchell and between Luke Kennard. And even then, I, I never got that debate. I always thought Donovan Mitchell would be the guy. Now, of course, I'm not going to sit here and credit myself for thinking he would be a potential Rookie of the Year candidate going up against Ben Simmons this season. But I did think he was a special basketball player. I did think it was a guy that was coming out that would be a very good one. And then when Malik Monk was available... I was just fine. I'm right up there with Rich Cho taking Malik Monk instead of Donovan because at least at the time, I was the same way. I, I thought that was the right pick at 11th overall. I thought he didn't need to make this hard. Just go get Malik Monk, get the freshman phenom that was at Kentucky, and I was fine with them passing on Donovan, but that was a guy that was linked to Charlotte at the time. Luke Kennard, again, a guy I just mentioned, he went to the Pistons a pick before Donovan Mitchell and a pick after what Malik Monk did. So Luke Kennard was another guy that I think was mentioned with Charlotte. And maybe Frank Nittalikina as well, the point guard drafted for the New York Knicks. I know he had kind of been mentioned maybe a few times. Rick Bunnell did like him last season as a potential backup point guard. I mean, we we talked about this constantly last season, and I know some of the fans did as well, how there was a, a need at backup point guard. But I, I kind of liked the moves, at least at the beginning of last season, where you get Malik Monk, you get MCW, Michael Carter-Williams comes in for a nothing contract, just making uh, not not even all that much, uh, what was it, a million and a half. It wasn't that much money that Michael Carter-Williams was making. So I thought it was a fine move for them to get him at backup point guard. I thought it would provide some size. And of course, they were lacking that with Kimba Walker and Malik Monk. So I like that move. But again, Frank Nittalikina, it could have been a guy that they drafted to address the backup point guard position, maybe with some upside, Right there and then, and right there with Frank Nittalikina coming in. But of course, he goes drafted. He gets drafted by the New York Knicks, and that's where a lot of people thought Malik Monk might go. Malik even said it himself. I remember having an interview with him last season, right after he was selected by Charlotte. He thought New York was going to take him, but they didn't. And Rich Show said he fielded some offers for the tra- for a potential trade at 11 overall, and that they would have taken Malik Monk, but he didn't feel like. The trade returned enough value in order to get Malik Monk. So here you have it. Malik Monk in his second season as a Charlotte Hornet after getting the selected with the 11th overall pick. And this is where Charlotte is going to end up again. But we remember that pool of players that the Hornets were looking at. You had a big guy in Zach Collins. You had a couple, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Luke Kennard as some wings out there as well. I like the pool as a whole better with what you have here that could be potentially there. I think Colin Sexton is probably gone by number 11 overall. But if he does somehow slip, you know, Bobby Marks in the lottery draft broadcast last night said that the Hornets do need a point guard. And if they do indeed deal Kimba, because it's probably the only way you're going to get off of any of these contracts. I would think it's the only way. Then you would need a point guard to come back in and, and help you out. So that would make sense with Colin Sexton being there. I think you have, again, Kevin Knox would be a good wing for that team. 
We mentioned Mikhail Bridges. I like Mikhail Bridges a lot. I do understand that his ceiling may be a little limited, but I do think there is one there, and I think his floor is just so good. I think him being, yeah, he's older, 22 years old, a redshirt junior coming out of Villanova. The age, I guess, does concern you a little bit because just in today's game, you're getting these guys so young, you're talking about missing out on three years of Mikhail Bridges. And I get how that's a little concerning, but I just think he comes in and contributes right away. I mean, prototypical 3-and-D kind of player, and I think he has more upside than just that. I think he can be an all-star type player. So that, that would be the guy that I like, but there, there's a lot of players, I think, from this pool to pick. You know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is, is another one that came on strong at the end of last season. A taller point guard, really skinny, just like Malik Monk, and you'd probably have the least amount of weight with a backcourt with Malik Monk and Shea Gilgis-Alexander of any backcourt due in the NBA if those two guys were lined up together. But I do like Gilgis-Alexander's length. I do like how tall he is. So that would be something to look at. I know one thing, though, and so do you. It's that the Charlotte Hornets have not drafted all that well here recently. You can go back to Kimba Walker, and that was the one pick that you know Charlotte hit on. And we play the bump all the time. It took them two times because they drafted Bismack Biombo beforehand. But at least they got Kimba. You know, we'll, we'll let that slide. At least they got Kimba Walker with that second pick. And it's the one that they really hit on. You look at some of the other picks, right? I mean, we, we know it's, it's MKG, second overall. Instead of getting Anthony Davis and instead of you'd have the opportunity for Bradley Beal, but you get MKG instead. You, know, you draft Frank Kaminsky. Miles Turner was there. He was the number 11th overall pick. Devin Booker was a guy I know that was really linked to the Charlotte Hornets. And Devin Booker being about 13th, I know that was a guy they could have potentially picked. And now both of those guys seem like very young, promising players in the NBA. We know the draft history. We, we know it all too well. And that was all under Rich Cho's regime. And again, Kimba Walker, the only guy that you can say that, man, you know what? Rich Cho nailed that draft pick. So with Mitch Kupchak coming in here to be the new GM for the Charlotte Hornets, I think that is certainly one of the most important storylines of this offseason. Because look how capped up they are. And that payroll is unbelievable. You look at that payroll, and there's just not any wiggle room. That's why it's so important. It might be the only way to get out of this. It's so important to develop Dwayne Bacon and Malik Monk and whatever guy you get here in this year's lottery. And Mitch Kupchak has to do this well. I don't, I'm not going to kill him. If he doesn't get a Donovan Mitchell at 11 this season, you know, Donovan Mitchells are rare. I'm not going to kill him if he doesn't get a Giannis Atenacumpo like the Bucs did at 15. I'm not going to kill him for that. I don't think we have to do a complete 180 from what Rich Cho has done the past couple of seasons. You want to see a draft pick that has star power at least, or at least has an ability to be a very good role player. You know, the, the guys Rich Cho has drafted, they've been role players, right? I don't know if you would even say that they're extremely valuable role players, but they're they're role players. I think you want to see somebody come in, have higher upside than what these other players that have been drafted by Rich Cho can. I think you want to see them have a bigger upside, and that's why I think it's so important for Mitch Kupchak to at least do a good job. He doesn't have to nail it because it would be unfair for us to have him get a star. At least it'd be unfair for us to say, Mitch, you get a star here, or you fail, and I want you to get a new, and I want the Hornets to get a new GM in the second season. I, I want you to be done by your second season because it's just it's too unrealistic. You know, we, we need to see somebody that has star power. I get that, but it's just too unrealistic to demand the next Hall of Famer. 
So I'm not going to kill Mitch Kupchak for that. But there is some pressure for Mitch. And I think it's undeniable. Now, Mitch Kupchak has had some comments about a potential rebuild. And, and we'll get to that on the other side of the break. But first, before uh, we continue the Charlotte Hornets conversation, uh, I mentioned some of the storylines throughout the other NBA teams last night. I mentioned the Sacramento Kings. And here are the Sacramento Kings. They get the second overall pick. De'Aaron Fox says his smiling face is the good luck charm and cites his watch that he sported last season. And sure enough, it was. The Sacramento Kings get the second overall pick with a very good chance at a very good player. And the Sacramento Kings don't have a 2019 first-round draft pick. So with the Kings being such a dumpster fire of an organization the last even decade or so, at least they catch a break in this one. If you're able to get a Marvin Bagley or if they decide to go with a Luka Doncic, Maybe those guys can be paired up with the Aaron Fox, and that's a nice young duo heading into not 2019 because you don't get that draft, you don't get that draft selection, but maybe 2020, and then maybe you can add another new piece there. But they, at least they get the second overall draft pick, and you think the Kings fans and the Kings organization has got to be as ecstatic as you possibly can be. I mean, the only thing you could have hoped for is DeAndre Ayton, which it's a it's a miss. Sure, I, I think DeAndre Ayton is amazing. But at least you get your second pick of the mill with what I think is a very good group of basketball players this year. So other other storylines that you could look at la- uh, last night, 76ers, they do get the Lakers pick. Remember, Boston and Philly were kind of in that same boat. They had both guys sitting there within that representative desk. And the 76ers would have gotten that pick if it was anything in the top in the lottery that was not second or third. And Boston, that was the only way they were going to get the Lakers pick was if it fell at either second overall or third overall. So Boston does not get it. The 76ers get the 10th overall pick, of course, coming from the Los Angeles Lakers. And so the Celtics are on the outside looking in. You have the Cavs. They're picking eighth overall. That's where that Nets pick ended up going. So I think one interesting storyline to watch for this offseason with Cleveland is if the Cavaliers decide to try to get a piece to complement LeBron James or if they decide to get a pillar that can stand all alone by itself. Because LeBron, it's not 100% that he's gone. I would put my money on it. But Brian Windhorst on the Dan Levitard show just yesterday discussed that staying in Cleveland, opting into that one-year contract, that's as good an opportunity for him as anything is right now. At least that it's as real as anything, I should say. You know, he, he mentions that he just doesn't think there's a ton of good opportunities out there and that people would be quick to say Philadelphia, but that also LeBron would either have to change his game completely or Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, young players, would have to change their games completely. And maybe that scenario isn't as good as a lot of people would think. I get his reasoning on that. So maybe Cleveland is a team that is as real. It's an option. It's as real as any other option out there. And maybe they decide to get a piece that complements LeBron and take that risk of him staying rather than just getting a player that can stand as a pillar on himself. Maybe like, I don't know if a Michael Porter Jr. is somebody they have a real high grade on that maybe doesn't complement LeBron as well as what a Trey Young would in a lot of the GMs and analysts' minds. Maybe they decide to go with Michael Porter so he can stand on his own. I don't know. I don't know what Cleveland does, but that's certainly going to be a storyline to watch. I think you had a couple of those storylines that were kind of answered, at least got the ball rolling on some potential things that could happen this offseason. So the NBA draft lottery again last night did not go as well for the Charlotte Hornets, but they do get the 11th overall pick. We'll see how it goes this go around. 
We'll see if there's a Donovan Mitchell that they're able to hit on in 2018. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We'll have Rick Bennell sound bites on next. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Walker Mail. Stick around for Locked On Hornets. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Did he go with Myers Leonard as his first comparison as a big man hitting from the three point line? Oh, I mean, did I say Leonard? I meant uh, Miles Turner. Okay, <laughs> you did. I think okay. you said Miles that was Leonard. on me. Good sorry about that. That's a bad mistake. I know when I think shooting big men, Myers Leonard is the first guy that comes to mind. Absolutely. I was thinking Steve Clifford and I might be Hot the shot. same wavelength. Hot on shot, there. Myers Leonard. <laughs> that's that's his nickname. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail. Doug Branson is in Iowa as we speak, so we'll get him back on Monday. But we had a chance to talk with Rick Bennell this morning, who had good insight into Mitch Kupchak comments on a possible rebuild, James Borrego and who he likes, and uh, how he might think about James Borrego, who he likes at number 11 overall. Rick does have an opinion on maybe if there's a guy there at 11 that he would like them to pick this particular player. So we'll get to all that sound Real quickly with Rick Bennell, but first we'll start off with the rebuild and the comments that Mitch Kupchak discusses with a possible one that would happen here with the Charlotte Hornets. And here's Rick Bennell now on what he's made of maybe kind of looking into what Mitch Kupchak has said when he's hinting about maybe not going into a rebuild mode with this team. Doesn't he continuously seem to be dropping hints, dissuading the notion that he is waiting to proceed over process too. I, I, I keep thinking that they are sending out messages and the, you know the, the work this gets a bit complicated is what he would want to do as far as a deep drill rebuild versus what his choices are in terms of doing that but I really think that the you know of the few, they, they're not real quick to send out hints these days and I think the only hint that we keep hearing is, they're not looking for an excuse to blow this thing up entirely. Now, Doug and I talked about this and about his comments at the James Borrego press conference that they're ready to go with the roster that they have right now. I mean, we discussed them addressing the roster they had now and not necessarily rebuilding this. One thing we did discuss was that perhaps this is just Mitch Kupchak's way of not saying, I don't know what else to do with this team because you can't get a rebuild with this kind of payroll in hand. Again, the one way you can get off contracts is trading Kemba Walker, and you would also have to try to find somebody who at least values Nick Batum a little bit. Or if you want to trade Dwight Howard, you would have to have somebody that values Dwight Howard a decent amount. And I just don't know if the value for those guys is out there. You know, I, I referenced Kevin Artovitz talking to him last season, or this season, about, I think, back in February. And I mentioned, is MKG maybe one of the more useful assets, possibly, with a, a that's earning a decent amount of money, just because he's younger and he does have pretty good defensive capabilities? And Kevin told me, he said, no, I don't... <laughs> he said, I know GMs that wouldn't let him in the door. And so it, that's MKG. And I would think that's one of the one of the more valuable guys that you would have with this particular team. And the guy that's making $14 million like MKG is, you would think that would be one of the more easier contracts to move. And Kevin's saying, 
he knows GMs that wouldn't allow MKG in the door just because he just can't shoot. His offensive game is non-existent without transition or going to the hole. And that's that's unsettling for the Charlotte Hornets. You know, I wonder if Mitch Kupchak was one of those GMs before signing on with this job and saying, you know what, this is one of the guys that I might just move. So when you have all of these guys, what else are you going to say? What kind of other message are you going to portray here? Now, there is something for him to at least offer this. Like, it's easy to not talk about the rebuild if you're not asked about the question. Because then you can just say, yeah, I, I didn't talk about it because nobody asked me about it. But he's offering this stuff up. He's offering that, hey, guys, don't necessarily get ready for a rebuild. We're going for this roster. He's offering it up. He could just easily stay away from it. But the fact that he keeps bringing it up, maybe that is something that you look into a little bit more. So Rick Bennell had that to say about the potential rebuild and potentially maybe Mitch Kupchak not going in that direction. But also we discussed the possible trades and maybe what you could do to try to change this and shake this roster up for Charlotte. And so we asked Rick what a possible trade for the Hornets might be. But I think it's important for us to keep in mind that in order for them to, you know, start planning the the path to get better, they're going to have to do something about this incredibly onerous and counterproductive payroll at this point. And I hate to keep bringing up the Bobby Marks idea, you know, as a litany, but um, doing something like trading Jeremy Lamb for a second-round pick, as as bad as that sounds from a basketball standpoint, doing something like that just to you know to to do something to get a little further away from the you know the electric fence that is that luxury tax line, that may be something they may have to do. First of all, great line by Rick Minnell with the you can tell he's a writer, but um, I mean. Trading Jeremy Lamb for just a second-round pick just sounds awful. I mean, if you saw that trade right now, you would bash that move, and then you would have to think about it and think, well, I mean, is this just the kind of sacrifice that this payroll calls for? I mean, it, it sounds hideous. As soon as that comes out of Rick Bennell's mouth, that, that deal sounds hideous because here's the one thing that you, can, that you can look back on with Jeremy Lamb and say, you know what, that was a pretty damn good year. That was a successful season for Jeremy Lamb. That's the one thing that's positive about last season with a season that was full of expectations, and then you trade him for a second-round pick. But it just might be that that one is one of the only ways to move off of some of these contracts and at least you know get another asset to put in with one of these other deals that Rich Cho and company made. It's a, t- it's a tough job. It's a tough job here with the Charlotte Hornets, but maybe that's just one of the things that you have to do. And because of the NBA draft lottery last night, we did ask Rick who he would like at 11 if this guy is still available, and he said he liked Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I was really fascinated when I watched him play and his ability to get to the rim. There is a fluidity about the way he attacks people off the dribble that is rare. Um, He's skinny. He's somebody who, at the beginning of this season, wasn't even um, necessarily their the first or second player in Kentucky's you know draft class. I mean, you know, um, you know, recruiting class. But boy, the kid by the end of the season had had demonstrated just a I think a real ability to impact the game. To use the NBA's favorite expression right now, in a two-way fashion. And I would have no problem with that pick. 
I like Shea Gildas Alexander. I think again, Mikhail Bridges is the guy that I like. You guys know this already, but I, I like Gildas Alexander too. He was a lot of fun to watch when he went into the NCAA tournament in the second half, really, of that season with Kentucky. Because remember, it was all about Kevin Knox coming into the season when you were talking about the Kentucky Wildcats. But Gilgis Alexander was the guy that I think took even him a little bit more of the attention away from Kevin Knox. And it was this guy that you were paying attention to when you were watching that Wildcats team. And I think he delivered. Now, he is skinny, but he is fluid. He is a fluid athlete. He is smooth. And it is a guy I think would pair well with the Charlotte Hornets team. Again, it is a point guard, so you would think that possibly you would ask the question how well he can play with Kimba. Of course, thinking Kimba would stay with Charlotte if, if you do think that happens. But maybe you start to move on from this roster as a whole, and it's Gilgis Alexander, who is 6'5", 6'6", and you pair him with Malik Monk, who's 6'3". At least it does give you some size in that backcourt that you can work with defensively. It's not another 6'3 guy that you'd be getting with you know, I, I don't know, one of the smaller guards that was still available that you might decide to pick. You know, Gilgis Alexander can can give you some of that length. He can give you some height. So I do think that's a decent pick if the Charlotte Hornets do decide to go that route. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks for listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Lockdown Hornets. I'm Walker Mail. Doug Branson will be back Monday. We'll do one more show tomorrow. We will not do one Friday, and then we'll get back on the Lockdown Podcast next week. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.